0: Good morning, church. Good morning. Psalm 118 and 24 says, this is the day that the Lord has made. And so we rejoice and we are glad in it. It's really good to see all of you. My name is Paul. For those who have not had the privilege of meeting yet, and I am privileged to serve as pastor of this congregation. And it's really, really exciting to see every one of your Faces those who have come from near and far. Indiana is in the house this morning. Uh, those of you, <laughs> those of you for, who are live streaming, we're glad that you are also welcome uh, joining us today. And, and we're thankful that you chose to spend an hour of your time with us this morning. Uh, we are Victory Church, where we exist to see people reconcile to God and to each other. Um, and here at Victory, that's... that's uh, our discipleship process, the way that we uh, take those steps and and really all of us fall in that space of needing to be further reconciled to God, whether it's for the first time in accepting Jesus or in taking that next step of obedience um, and out of which we then are reconciled to each other. And we do that here through three ways. One, through worshiping together on Sundays uh, as a corporate body, the, the Bible talks about not forsaking to assemble ourselves together, so we don't forsake to do that. Secondly, serving on one of our nine ministry teams that Kate mentioned earlier, uh, which does more for the person serving than it does for the person being served. And lastly, uh, participating in one of our victory groups, which we are going to talk about a lot next week. But for today, if there are any victory group leaders in the room, I know some are in children's ministry. There's Troy and Chantel. Savage, you mind just... Standing so that people can get a look at who's leading some of the victory groups around grounds, uh, around the city. Mary Boyles and Ray uh, are co-leading a group together. If I don't see you, you can just stand. I don't know who else might be missing. Olivia is um, back in our children's ministry. She leads a women's group on Thursday mornings at 7 a.m. Joanne Boyle leads a small group on Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. Um, Ray and Mary lead a young adult group on Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. off JPA. And Troy and Chantel are leading a co-ed uh, group on or in Forest Lakes on Wednesday night at 7 p.m. I lead a group on Tuesday nights at Greenstone on 5th for men because we believe in community and sharpening one another and doing life Monday through Saturday beyond this moment. Um, there are other groups. Tim and Linda lead a group out in Lake Monticello. Um, and so God is really doing some things through those groups. Um, And today, this morning, uh, what we want to discuss is how we can go about making peace, making peace in a chaotic world. And so turn with me in your Bibles or look at the screen uh, to the book of Matthew chapter five, and we'll look at verse nine, Matthew chapter five, verse nine. Um, And we'll just pray before we begin. Lord, I thank you so much for this day that you have made Thank you for this opportunity to share your word, and I pray according to your word in Psalm 119 and 18 that says, open up our eyes so that we may see all that's in your law. Um, Help what we discussed today to really move the 18 or so inches from our head, converting from head knowledge to really a heart knowledge and becoming a lived reality in our lives every day. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse 9, as you see on the screen, uh, we'll be reading from the NIV, says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. And so the title of the message today is Making Peace. Making Peace. Um, I was thinking about this this morning and can't believe it's been 22 years since I was introduced to the city of Charlottesville. 22 years. 1997, graduated from high school uh, in New York and transitioned from New York to Charlottesville, Virginia. Uh, as I was a first year then at the university of Virginia, uh, I met the then Taylor sharp and, uh, did what I, no, <laughs> kicked a little bit of game. I don't know. I might've stalked her a bit, but we ended up, uh, <coughs> getting married on August 6th of 2005. So this coming summer will be 14 years of wonderful matrimony, her tolerance of me. You no, know, um, and uh, if you know Taylor, she's all of like five foot two inches. I'm not much taller at five nine, but if you know her, you know that I really married up. Um, and so those times here at UVA were critical for so many reasons, that being a pretty, um, a big one. And we later moved to Washington DC area. We lived in PG County, Maryland for a couple of years. I was doing graduate school, Taylor was teaching in um, DC. Um, and then we were on the Northern Virginia side for a little bit while I was working as a high school counselor over there. And then 2011 rolls around and a job opens up at UVA. We apply things, work out. We end up back here at our alma mater. And so as we shared that news with friends, with, uh, with, with other alum, with uh, just our neighborhood, we got one of two responses generally, right? One was like, uh, man, Charlottesville, I would love to go back there. I'm thinking of retiring there. It's so nice. And, da, da, da. and then the other was, why would you go back <laughs> to Charlottesville? Um, and truth be told, I think both of those sentiments resonated and to some extent still persist today for us. And maybe you too. Right. It's that tension of we love it. And man, it's crazy. Um, just a couple of months ago, as a quick analogy, and we'll move on. Um, in our neighborhood, there was the blood moon, I think, going on outside at night. And so the community was outside like the neighborhood was just they were all taking it in as a community, enjoying nature together. And while they were doing that, and I think we weren't even out there. We didn't care. It was late. We said, forget <laughs> it. Uh, but we do stuff like that with our neighbors. They're friends. They're, they're friendly. They're just, they're great. Um, but while that was going on, just the neighborhood over, KKK flowers were being handed out. And so moments like that, for me, make me come back to the question, okay, God, why am I here? And how am I to be making peace in the midst of the chaos in my sphere of influence? And this morning... I want to suggest that our making peace involves disrupting the chaos of this world with the truth of God's word. In other words, participation promotes peace. How do we make peace in the chaotic world? Some context in chapter five of Matthew, Jesus is sharing uh, from what is commonly known as the Beatitudes or declaration of blessings. And it's a part of a larger sermon that you can read from chapters five through seven, which I would encourage you to do of what's called the Sermon on the Mount, and it outlines what God expects from those who reside in his kingdom. And he's teaching his disciples and, to that end, all of the crowds that had come uh, by that point, what it looks like to be blessed under his reign. And much of what he is sharing in his beatitudes are very much counterintuitive, as is all of our faith in Jesus Christ, is it not? If you want to live, you can, you can talk back. I kind of like, if you want to live, you gotta, you gotta die. You want to be exalted. You need to get low and be humbled. If you want to be the first, you ought to be the last. You want to be great. You ought to serve and be the least. Everything about what he's saying in these Beatitudes is very counterintuitive. He says, for example, blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who are meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of me. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you. Now, I don't know about you, but if I were in the crowd that day, I'm thinking, I want to be blessed, but I'm kind of trying to figure out exactly how you're defining what blessed means. A few weeks ago, we did that here, so we won't unpack it in its entirety here, but we talked Uh, in reference to Psalm chapter one, that blessed does in fact mean happy, but it goes beyond sort of that conventional notion of happiness that is based on happenings, but really speaks more into the distinctive spiritual joy that we get to share in as a part of salvation in the kingdom of God. The ultimate, if you will, well-being. Blessed, well, joyous are those who are peacemakers. And peacemakers, again, are those who disrupt the chaos of this world. With the truth of God's word. Participation promotes peace. Romans 14 and 19 says, Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. The absence of tension isn't enough. Ask any spouse in the room if, when the house is just absent of tension or quiet, if that means that there's peace. in the house and maybe there there is peace but maybe and probably not that there's peace just because there's quiet just because nobody in your staff meeting hasn't body slammed anybody yet doesn't mean <laughs> that there's peace in that meeting or in that class because everybody kind of got along and discussing the post August 11th and 12th did that mean that there was peace maybe maybe not Probably a lot of doodling in that staff meeting of the violence subconsciously that they'd want to see happen in that space. Not that any of you ever go to meetings and are that doodler. Um, but typically, there's not peace until somebody decides to make it. Baby, I'm sorry. I have been on my phone a little too much lately sorry. My tone was wrong. I'm sorry. You know, I came in a little bit more irritable today than I have other days, flew off the handle a bit more, and it had nothing to do with you, actually. It was what happened to me yesterday. I am sorry. And you know, let's get past this because life is short. I don't want to linger too long in this space and waste that time. How can I serve you better? Somebody's deciding. It just takes one. Deciding to make peace Quiet or the absence of tension in in many ways can actually be problematic if the issues that persist are not being addressed. Dr. Martin Luther King says it this way in one of my favorite books. It's a book of sermons called Strength to Love. He says, quote, crowd pressures have conditioned, subconsciously conditioned our minds and our feet to move to the rhythmic beat of the status quo. Close quote. And everything that I read in scripture... And why Jesus came has nothing at all to do with maintaining said status quo. And so I'm thinking, if I'm a follower of him and I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ, then neither should I nor we be the maintainers of the status quo. I'm not talking necessarily about being reckless, but I am calling us to be faithful. And so the question that I want to address in the next few moments is, how, again, do we make peace in a chaotic world. We know from Matthew chapter 5 verse 9 that blessed are the peacemakers and my venturing to guess that all of us want to be blessed. How do we then go about making peace? And what I like to do this morning is use Matthew 5 as somewhat of a launching pad to answer that question, but a launching pad into what we call the general tenor of scripture and what the thread throughout scripture has to suggest to us toward that end of making peace in a chaotic world. And no, we don't have five, 10, 24 hours to go through all of the threads through scripture. But the three that I'd want to highlight this morning are looking beyond number one, looking within and looking to share. To make peace, we first got to look beyond, look beyond us because we can't make what we don't have. 1 Corinthians 14 and 33 says, God is the author of peace. 1 John 14 and 27 says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. So do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Which for us can be incredibly difficult on our own to do because we, not unlike the psalmist, I love the Psalms, in chapter 121, particularly, who was filled with anxiety in his soul, said in verse 1, I look to the hills. Some of you may know this. I look to the mountains, if you read in the NIV. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. And the hills, the mountains in that context, in many ways represented, scholars suggest, the means or the high places in society, the traditional sources of wisdom that we might lean or look to in answer to a question only God can help. So the psalmist says, I'm looking to the hills, I'm looking to the mountains, but you know what? It's beyond the hills that I need to really be looking to, to the Lord, to give me the help that I need in this situation right now. It's not to say that those means or high places or traditional notions of wisdom aren't important. No, they can be of some value. I, for example, value the education received and continue to be received in and out of the classroom. And I push every person, young and older, to get more. Logan, stay in school and finish at the top of your class. Do it. Do it well. And I'm pretty acutely aware of when depression gripped me like nothing else some 10 years ago and took my mind to places I never knew existed. That nice bachelor's and master's degree that I mortgaged my life to buy a frame from UVA to put up on my wall, crazy expensive things, <laughs> couldn't save me, couldn't deliver, couldn't heal. When our daughter, our firstborn, was born and had to be rushed off to Nick NICU because she was born with pneumonia, And she's in there. You see your little baby all plugged up to all kinds of stuff. And we had to leave the hospital with an empty car seat, which psychologically just messes with you. Thankfully, we were able some days later to go back and get her. But the PhD, I'm grateful, God, you let me get it. It's been useful. It couldn't bring healing to her body then. It couldn't deliver her. It couldn't save us. It couldn't save me or have me walk away from the car accident that should have left me dead when I think on it now. But I walked away without a scratch. Couldn't do any of that. Couldn't save my mom from the brain aneurysm that they had to do emergency surgery for. And now 20 plus years later, she's here. It could not do for us what only God can do. And Lord knows it couldn't save my dying soul from the eternal damnation that it deserved. Lest he, only he, went to the cross for me. And today, it cannot give me the peace that I seek when fear and anxiety it's coming to our soul every single day, tempting us. There's one person on whom we can call, and his name is Jesus. Yeah. That is the person in whom our trust is built. Yes, this is good, all of it, but the hills, I've got to go beyond the hills for what I seek and what I need and what I believe we need here, today, and now. Comes from the Lord. How do we make peace in the midst of a chaotic world? Firstly, we've got to look beyond, spend some time with him, get to know his voice And to know his voice, we got to spend a little time listening to his voice. So hearing, reading, studying, memorizing, meditating on the word of God, the five different ways the word becomes a part of us. Then we can know his voice well enough to not let other noise overwhelm his voice. Spending time with him, praying every day, which is simply a conversation with him, which includes talking, but it also includes being quiet and letting him talk. One of my favorite questions as an aside to ask, And don't run if I see you, because it's it's an okay question in conversation. It's what's God been saying to you lately? And every now and then I'll get like, man, bro, we just hanging. Like, why you got to go there? (laughs) It's like a little too deep. Uh, And I ask in that way, because God speaks to us differently. Maybe he comes to you in dreams or visions and so forth. But many times I'm thinking, what'd you read today? That's his voice. What'd he say to you today? When you prayed early today and meditated a bit, what'd he say? What's he saying to you? And how might we sharpen each other, given your answer to that question and mine? what is God saying? What's he been saying to you? Get acquainted. And as we do that, we get better acquainted with his voice. Then we will be more inclined to do the second piece of how we make peace in a chaotic world. We'll be more inclined then to look within as we participate in making peace in a chaotic world. Matthew 7 says, do not judge or you too will be judged. How many have heard that verse used in so many different contexts? What it does not mean is that we don't ever judge. And I'm going to use the scripture to answer or to, to, to unpack that. The second verse, even in that chapter, says, For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How do you say To your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time you got a telephone pole jacked up into your eye. That's the Paul Harris version. NIV says something else. Plank again. Get the plank out of your own eye. Then you can see clearly to move a speck in your brother's eye. It's not saying never to judge. It's simply saying you better look within first. Recognize who and what you are not as you attempt to support and encourage and judge, if you will, someone else. My best friend for over 20 years now, Marion Mason, um, my college roommate, ran track here at UVA, um, best man in our wedding. We were the best man in his wedding and he and Tamika's wedding. Um, and fourth year of college at UVA, I'm in U Forum. that's where we lived, and I'm in the bathroom giving myself a line, which I haven't had to do in a while, uh, <laughs> but I'm shaping myself up. Don't laugh too hard, come on, man. And I'm shaping myself up, and he comes in and said something like, hey, hey bro, uh, you might have start shaving that, man. (laughs) And I'm like, "Uh, why are you judging me? Right? No, I didn't do that. But the thought, if I'm honest, in the moment was like, man, just leave me alone. Can I have my line for a few more years? But I didn't say that in part because I knew he in many ways was looking within and he Actually, I've learned a lot from over the years of how he, from a position not of a haughty place, but just kind of wanting to support me, has been able to say certain things and speak into my life. But I knew then he was looking within because if my hairline, Kate, was running away at that point in my life, his was doing a slow trot and he wasn't too far behind. So I knew he wasn't just trying to get on me. He was coming from a place of humility, really trying to help a brother out. Marion is currently pastoring a church, probably telling some other crazy stories right now in D.C. at one of Mark Batterson's campuses for NCC, and will be preaching for us this coming September, actually, uh, which he'll probably tell some more crazy stories uh, that he won't tell me about ahead of time. But it's about having a proper perspective when we engage, right? We're looking within first. And if you don't like the word judge, which many times I find it's because we've misappropriated the word. Um, You can look to Luke 6 if that's better. 44, verse 44, which says, A tree is recognized by the fruit that it bears. So if judging is not what you prefer, I'm just a fruit inspector. (laughs) How about that? Got a little negativity hanging from the tree, from your tree, or some resentment, some bitterness. What's hanging from your tree, and how might we sharpen each other in inspecting fruit? And I won't stop there. Lord knows if we see Galatians 5 being represented, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control, we're going to celebrate that too. We can be each other's fruit inspectors. But the point here in looking within is that we recognize we are not all we think we are, and we're just as messed up as the person we're about to try to come in and make peace with by showing what they're not doing well and what they're not doing right. And when we have that proper perspective, when we're looking within first, then we can be ready to thirdly look to share. And there is no shortage of opportunity, unfortunately, for us to share in a way that makes peace in the midst of chaos. Turn on the news, go to work, go to your friend's house, walk outside. Opportunity is all around us. Ephesians 4 and 29, though, says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. So even as we look to share, for me, some of the questions are like, mean I can't tear down the person who's tearing me down. We can't. No, we can't do that. And I have to build them up. Yeah, we got to do that too. But according to their needs, which might be some correction, some course correction that sets them straight on some things, maybe not overblown in the group of others, but you know with some wisdom there's some building up that might include correction of things that don't align with the word of God. Because peace, again, isn't just the absence of tension, it's the presence of justice. Paul, you know what you said in class the other day? Huh, I know you didn't mean it this way, but man, I wonder how all the women in your class felt when you did that. proper perspective, looking for opportunities to share, to make peace in the midst of chaos. And having looked within to gain that proper perspective, which is that we are just as messed up, as I mentioned earlier, as the person we are trying to support, then we can share in a way that doesn't tear down, but in fact builds them up. For some of us, though, I imagine just thinking about disrupting the chaos of this world with the truth of God's word is probably frightening, scary, terrifying even. What are they going to think of me? What about the favor I've been accorded in this space previously that now might be in jeopardy? And Lord, I don't even know your word like that, so what am I supposed to say? All I have to insert is what I want to insert in, the, in that situation to make peace. All questions worthy of being pondered and considered, though might I submit, at least on the part of not knowing the word, We all have way, a lot of room to grow in knowing his word, but you know something that you can offer. And just the same, we can be encouraged by Deuteronomy 31 and 6, which says to be strong and courageous, to not be afraid for the Lord, your God goes with you. And the tension for there, I think for us in that space is, and we got to make sure the Lord is actually coming with us. (laughs) Right? Put the pot of hot grits down right? Leave the resentment at the door. Leave the bitterness and unforgiveness and revengeful attitude somewhere else. Don't pick it up at the door when you leave either. Leave it. It's when the Lord is with you, you can be strong and courageous. It's he, Romans 8 and 28, that says he'll work all things together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. I'm not saying that you need to go around with the, the, at least in my house, on the coffee table. We had the huge Bible. Anybody have that growing up? Like the big one. Nobody really read it, but it was like, it's huge. Am not saying you need to go around with that on your shoulder like Radio Rahim from Do the Right Thing? Uh, a lot of references here, and I don't have time to explain them, so just go see Spike Lee joint and be like, thus saith the Lord to you today. Not saying that at all. In fact, that A little weird to do that. And we we are weird in a sense. We're peculiar people. I get that. There's a delicate line though between that and just weird. Nobody's going to be drawn to Jesus through the way you're going about doing it. It's like Logan, if I were in teaching your class would say in the midst of talking about counseling student athletes, you know what, but this really warrants some prayer because there's a fundamental spiritual issue going on right now that we need to get to the bottom of. I'd have an email or two or three and probably get fired from my job at UVA for doing that. Right, So there's some wisdom that we apply when we're looking to share, but we can be courageous and without fear when the Lord goes with us to share, to make peace, not preserve the absence of tension or keep what we think is the semblance of or facade of peace, but to literally make peace. Now, if you're also thinking, if I can get in your heads, this is my head, maybe it's yours too, that man, I'm only human. All this sounds good. Disrupting the chaos of the world with the truth of God's word, but who am I? Well, We are all human, and at that point, when you get there, because it's a win, is when we loop back to the top of looking beyond, (laughs) looking beyond you, because you're right, you can't, but it's with his empowerment that we can make peace. Matthew chapter 5 and 9 says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they are to be called the children of God. And if we are going to be called the children of the one who created the world, the one who put the stars in the skies, the one who knows how many hairs on my head I used to have, <laughs> we must participate. And yes, faith is a part of that participation. I hear you going there. Hebrews 11 and 6, in fact, says without faith, it's impossible to please the Lord. And scripture says in James 2:17 that faith without works is dead are the two contradictory absolutely not they're complementary in that it is by faith through grace that we are saved and then a manifestation of said faith will be seen through the deeds that we display the fruit of the spirit i referenced galatians 5 earlier participation promotes peace and did it not require participation bold action in fact on jesus's part to 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 disrupt the chaos of the day sin was pervasive There's enmity between us and God, sin that we could do nothing about. And there was bold action, bold participation on the part of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to come in and disrupt and make peace. Colossians 1 and 20 says he made peace through the shedding of his blood on the cross. Made peace, lived a life we should have lived, died an excruciatingly painful, humiliating death we should have died in our place, then rose on the third day, proving that he is the son of God. He came and made peace. Then he said to you and me, we now get to be agents of that peace. That disruptive, pushing against the status quo, turning over tables, making peace. What does that look like in your respective sphere of influence? We get that opportunity to die to self, allow him to live through us, not succumbing to the chaos on both sides of the political aisle, the chaos that surrounds us in so many different ways, the opinions that have nothing to do with what Scripture actually says. We get to disrupt all of that and show different, show Jesus. Every now and then as I close, my, my friends or family members, they'll watch and I'll get a text or something that'll say, man, your dad, when he started in ministry, man, you sound like him. Your mannerisms, you sound like him. You look like him. And I appreciate that because I I take it as a compliment. I really respect and admire my dad. He's a role model. But it also makes me think, is there anything about my life? Is there anything about your life? Is there anything about the life of this church now and to come that when people see it, smell it, taste it, feel it, they'll say, huh, Jesus must be your daddy because you sound like him. You look, you, there's something different. You look like him. You feel, you move through this world a little bit differently. Jesus must be your daddy. Is there anything about our life where people would say that? Because it's only in his empowerment through us and looking and sounding and reflecting him as ambassadors here in the earth that peace can ultimately be made and participation promotes said peace. I am in awe that God would even allow us the opportunity to steward that peace. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. Oh, to be called the apple that didn't fall far from that tree. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this day that you have made. We thank you for the peace that you made over 2,000 years ago in allowing us access to the throne of grace directly. No longer does the high priest, as he did in the Old Testament, have to go in before us. But God, you tore the veil by dying on the cross for us so that we can access you. We have access not just to eternal life, avoiding the penalty of sin, but we have access to having power over the presence of sin here in the earth. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, and let us empower us to Steward your peace in such a way that we participate well in making peace. Whether that's preaching from a pulpit or whether that's just demonstrating integrity in a sphere of influence that never sees it. Whether it's walking away and not listening to the gossip. as advice was given to me years ago. Gossip will stop if nobody listened whatever that looks like, to make peace and disrupt the chaos of this world. God, may we first look beyond us, look within, knowing who we are not and the place from which we come and the same salvation and and care from you that we need. And may we look to share so that those who may not know you as well, those who are looking for direction would say, huh. Blessed are the peacemakers. They are children of God. There's something different. With heads bowed and eyes closed, you might even be sitting here today and wondering, gosh, I want to be a peacemaker, and I've tried, but to no end, to no successful end. And today, this Jesus you talk about, I want to embrace for the first time. If you're here, we want to offer the opportunity that really only God can offer to accept Jesus Christ as your personal savior. What does that mean? That means it's no longer your will, but it's his will that you live for. What that means, it's no longer, uh, uh, dare I say, no longer you living according to the traditional means and the hills that surround you, but you're looking beyond for the help that only God can provide. It doesn't mean a storm-free life, but it does mean a storm-proof life in Him. If that's you and you want to say yes to Jesus today, raise your hand real high because we would love to pray with and for you and start out this journey, this transformative journey that will be the rest of your life. For those who are live streaming, if at home you made that decision, repeat this prayer after me. Mm -hmm. Lord, thank you for loving me. Thank you for caring for me. Mm Thank you for dying for me and my sins. I repent today and I choose to turn away from everything the Bible says isn't pleasing in your sight. And I choose to follow you with all of my heart. I choose today to make you my Lord. I confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and I believe in my heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. For those of us who know him already, God, I pray that we would continue to look beyond, look within, and look to share and be the peacemakers you've called us to be. May we be children, followers of you. May there be a kinship and a closeness with you that is unparalleled with all of the tempting idols in our life Help us, Lord, to make peace. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.